Hey, everybody. Welcome to Listen Money Matters. Time in the market is better than time in the market. My name is Thomas, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking? It was like time in the market versus time in the market. <laughs> I'm actually time in the market. Yeah. I'm just, That's uh, actually pretty good. It is. It's pretty clever. I'm uh, I'm just drinking my shipyard black IPA, just milking it. Oh, you still nice. got it? Yeah, just a la- lackadaisy old day. I've got my uh, water, hmm. very fancy from the tap. What's the APV on that? Uh, I'm gonna go with zero. Hmm. And I say that with sadness, but <laughs> <laughs> I feel like alcoholic water would be pretty gross. Yeah, it's kind of like vitamin water. What is vodka, wouldn't it be? Yeah, true. It's rice water. Because vodka is like the most pure like drinking alcohol, isn't it? You know, my favorite tip in college, I remember finding out like you could buy like the really shitty jugs of vodka and just pour it through your Brita filter and it comes out as like fancy vodka. Wait, seriously? Yeah, yeah. Dude, try it. Get like what? a re- you, I, th- I thought like this was like common knowledge, like like life knowledge. You just get a shitty jug, and you just pour it through the Brita filter, and you could even do it like multiple times if you want it to be a little better. And it makes like it's like so much like cleaner, like less uh, of like that vodka hit you have when you drink it. It's it's pretty wait, good. Wait, wait, wait. What you're telling me is that the difference between good vodka and crappy vodka is that they have a filter somewhere in the process of making it. That it just pours through. Look, I'm not I'm not a vodka <laughs> connoisseur. I, I just know that I, I read a hack article and it worked and it was it tasted way better. Huh. Okay. Interesting. Well, I don't drink vodka that much, but next time I make a Moscow mule, maybe I'll Moscow experiment. Mule? What's in that? It's uh it's vodka with ginger beer and a muddle of lime. Oh shit. And uh that's it. And you usually it's typically you put it in a copper mug with ice. Dude, so I'm typing into Google. I'm like M O S C, and it already the first result is Moscow Mule. Is it like like it's more likely that you're searching for Moscow Mule than Moscow? <laughs> <laughs> well, more people probably drink Moscow Mules than who want to go to Moscow. It's it's either that or Google there. knows me so well they that know I'm it. searching for a drink. It's probably it's probably <laughs> that. <laughs> Which one of you guys were talking about like liking Negronis and being an old man? Is that you? Uh, so I, I like the old drinks. I never like got super into Negronis. Um, I think that's like uh, Chase, actually. Okay. I had my first one. Anna and I went out for like – we cooked for Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. So then we decided to go out to eat a week later because we wanted to like beat the crowds and everything. Yeah. And I had my first Negroni. And it was all right. It's an old man drink. And I think yeah. people, like, drink it. Look, I mean, if you like it, that's, like, cool. But I think a lot of people are getting into these drinks because they want to be, like, cool, you know? <laughs> I, I, I don't find it, like, as interesting as, like, a lot of – like, I would prefer, like, a, a Manhattan or just, like, an old-fashioned, you know? Mm, I love old fashions. Dude, so we we went to – there's, like, a bowling alley with a bar here. Mm. And we went there one night. And uh, I was like, can I get an old-fashioned? And he goes, what's that? Oh my! It's like you slapped him, right? And then Anna was like, "Well, can I get a Manhattan?" And he's like, "What's that?" And it's like you're behind the bar because I don't think they hired a bartender. I think they. And then it turns out it was just like you know. I think I should have known better than to think like a bowling alley would have a legit bar. True. It was, it was basically just wells and beer kind of thing. 
And it's I mean, like, I guess there's nothing wrong with that. I just kind of had different expectations going in, so it was really ridiculous being like, I don't know what it's the like, old-fashioned is. I'm sorry, if you're asking me what the old-fashioned is, I'll tell you, but you're not making me an old-fashioned because that's <laughs> not exactly like... It's like almost like a, an expert of the craft to make a good old-fashioned. And yeah. first time, like, no way. I'm sorry. Actually, I at another bar, I taught the bartender how to make an old-fashioned. Was it good? It was all right. But I mean, I, I can't expect much. I live in a college town. It's it's you know, all they about... don't expect anybody to go in there holding, like ordering that kind of stuff. That's true. That's like high brow already. It's like give me a Dragon Ball, man. <laughs> it's it's all how you move the wrist when you do your dash. It's it's all in that wrist flick. Oh really? I don't know. I'm just making that. I up. I just turned the bottle of hop or uh, what are they called? Uh, bitters. Mm-hmm. Just kind of shake it a little bit. <laughs> With ketchup, you're just gonna have, hit like, the bottom. A finesse in my wrist flick. <laughs> So, uh, to be honest, Andrew, mm. I would love to sit here and BS all day mm. because uh, I have no idea what margin is. Just going to throw that out there. Yeah. So, we, we kind of alluded to it in a previous episode and it was like there was a lot to talk about. I was just like trying to fit it in, talking quick, and, and I think we need to pull it out into its own. Yeah. There was one thing you said. In that episode, mm. you said something about a margin call, mm. and I remember seeing a movie called Margin Call. What was so it? like? Have you seen it? I, I have not. Uh, who's in it? Who's in it? It was it was one of those very businessy movies. Like if you like Wall Street, then you probably would like this kind of, this movie. Uh, who was it? Oh, Kevin Spacey's in it. Oh, dude, then I have to watch it because I've. Like, re-fell in love with him after House of Cards. Oh, it's so good. Like, Dude, the blew my mind. comes out, like, tomorrow, doesn't it? I, it's like any day. Actually, you're right. It is tomorrow. Oh, okay. So, I, basically, I, I will do no work tomorrow. So, so for <laughs> everyone who's listening, this is very telling of when the podcast was recorded. It's coming out tomorrow, and you're <laughs> listening to this, I don't even know when. <laughs> we, we love breaking down that third wall and just, like, peeing on it. <laughs> oh man who else is in it Zachary Quinto I've, I've seen him and stuff but otherwise oh Simon Baker also and Demi Moore and then a bunch of people I'm not really but no wait Thomas yeah it was pretty good aren't you dying to know what the F asterisk asterisk K is yes, margin I am dying to know what the F asterisk asterisk K is margin if not a movie so it- <laughs> It is, uh, simply put, it's a way to borrow against your investments without selling your investments. Okay. So I think I think I may have like put this analogy out there before, but like, mm-hmm. let me know if I'm correct in thinking this. L- I, I guess I like, look at it as if I have a house maybe, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, yo, bank, I have this house, and it's worth $200,000, can I borrow $150,000? And if I don't pay that back, then you can come, like, take my garage. Uh, it's like that? Yeah. So so it's it's basically like that. You know, okay. you have, I mean, if you had $200,000 invested and you, you know, I don't know if they'd let you borrow that high. I think typically they'll let you borrow up to, like, maybe 80%. So I guess that'd be fine. But you basically borrow against it. You'll pay uh, a little bit of interest, or actually maybe a lot of bit of interest, and um, 
then if you don't meet your your interest requirements, your your capital requirements, they'll just take uh, your your stocks, like as collateral. Okay. So do you do this like through the same place you invest with, or is there like like any bank will do it? Like, how does that work? Do you like go to Vanguard and be like, "Hey, I want to borrow margin on my Vanguard fund," or is it like, so you the brass knuckle dude just gets your <laughs> bank information? Yeah, so you're totally just like doing it in an alleyway. You're, tra- <laughs> you're, you're trading the actual certificates. No, like it's the future when you get mugged, they just like want your investments. That's right. They just like m- take margin out <laughs> on your investments. <laughs> you're like, damn it, I was I wasn't leveraged, but then I got mugged. <laughs> now now my retirement's on margin. So so yeah, like how does that work? Do you have to like do it? Like do you call Vanguard up and like ask for them to do it on the funds they control, or is it like, any kind of investment? So you'll it. you'll do it through your broker. So if you have your money with Fidelity, I mean I have I have my investments with Fidelity, um, right? And uh, I mean I have my Vanguard stuff with Vanguard, but my investments, my core stuffs with Fidelity, and uh, it's just like a, a a toggle on the account. I just enable margin, and then I'm able to do it. And then when, oh. whenever I want, almost like a checking account, I could just pull cash out on margin. Okay, so when you pull it out. Is there like interest you have to pay on it or do they just want you to pay it back before you borrow so much that you hit that like 80% of what so, the value is? So unlike a, a loan, like like a mortgage, your student loans or a car loan where you'd pay something per month, um, you actually don't pay anything. What happens is the interest just, just gets added to the total margin you have out. So for example, oh. if you had $10,000 out, and your interest rate was $7,000, over the course of a year, your Wait. margin would go from 10000 to $10,700. So Wait, you, why do you say the interest rate is $7,000? I'm sorry. So if, you're, if your interest rate was 7%. Oh, okay. okay. So Yeah, I, I worded that wrong. So then over the course of a year, the interest would be $700. They wouldn't ever require you to pay that. It would just get tacked on... To, you know the top of whatever yeah and then obviously if you never pay it it'll reach a certain threshold and they'll just take all your stuff but the i guess the point is is that it's not like you need cash flow every month to make it work you could you okay. can kind of think of it in a, in a broader sense that sounds a little not deceptive but like um easy to mistake like easy to under, like misunderstand mm. because it, like you tell me they don't charge you interest. It's just added to the margin that you have out. But that means that to get the money back in that you took out, you're going to have to pay more than what you actually took out. So so, so you're e- still basically paying interest. Either that or you have to grow your investments faster than the rate okay. they're charging you interest. And th- this is like the oh, okay. kind of the trick. So um, I don't use margin, although I've considered it a lot. Um uh, so I don't use it with my investment accounts, but it is very similar to how wealth building with a home works, mm. where home values there, – there's a lot of data out there. Home values really haven't increased much, if at all, for quite a long time. However, there's okay. still great wealth building like vehicles because you have this $300,000 home, but you've only put down 20%. But you get to claim an outsized portion of the upside 
So, like, you're actually amping your return. So where, like, you might not, like, the house might not gain much value, you know, and so say it goes from, like, $300,000 to, like, $400,000, you were able to pull off growing $100,000 on only 20% equity, right? Hmm. Oh. So so you're saying, like, I don't own all of my house because I have a mortgage. But the property value went up, so now I have like more margin to borrow on. So okay, let me give you like a, a dollar uh, example. So say you have ten thousand dollars in Apple stock, right? Okay. And then you decide you're going to take out fifty percent, so you're going to take out five thousand dollars in margin, and you're just going to take that five thousand dollars and you're gonna invest it into Apple as well. So you now have fifteen thousand dollars invested in Apple, but only ten thousand dollars of that is really yours. Right? This sounds like monopoly money. So, I mean, it kind of is. So, <laughs> so wait, I'm borrowing money from a stock and putting that money into the same stock. I mean, you could put it so into a different... So, essentially, I'm, like, making money out of thin air yes. that will crumble if it doesn't grow fast enough. Yes. Over time. Now... Okay. Um, and, and you could put it into a different stock. You know, I'm just, for simplicity, we'll put it back into Apple. Now, if Apple went up 7% that year, similar to our, our other example, then okay. you would have $10,700, you know, like originally, if you didn't do margin. However, okay. because you put an additional $5,000, you know, from margin back in, that 5000 becomes 5350 so instead of over the course of the year, your 7% being $700 gain, you actually gained $1,050, right? So that's like 700 from your principal okay. versus the 350 from your margin half. And then that 1050 goes to pay off the five grand you well, took out? Well, so, I mean, you could decide to use it however you want. However, consider this. So if you had your $10,000 over the course of a year, 7%, you'd be left with $10,700. Right. But if you use your margin and you put an extra $500 in, so now you have $1,500, only $10,000 is yours, you grew it to then be uh, – you gained $1,050 instead of $700. So while Apple grew 7% that year, your real yearly return was 10.5%. Okay, okay. Because you gained – off of not your money. Okay, so you're you, you you're amped the opportunity your... to gain more in interest than you typically would at the cost of kind of like putting part of your account in an area that could be taken away if you don't eventually pay it back. Correct. And I mean this works the same way in reverse where if Apple lost 7,000, you'd actually, you know, I'm 7,000. You lose more. 7% because you're taking losses on, on, on yours dollar and, twice up yeah, to five thousand dollars. Exactly, like you're losing on the ten thousand dollars and the five thousand dollars margin. So then, if you lose, then it's really tough to pay back that margin. Yeah, so it's either doubly as good or doubly okay. as bad. And I guess so. It's like double or nothing, basically. Well, I mean, in this case, it's like fifty percent or nothing because we only put five thousand in. But you know, it, it's a it's on that idea, and. Um, this is how uh, all the investment banks make their tons of money 
This is why when Warren Buffett invests, he gets such ridiculous returns and we don't. He oh. is he's an incredible like he, I would say like uh, his whole wealth is based not on picking an amazing stock, but picking steady companies that are going to do good over time and heavily using margin, otherwise known as leverage, to like amp his returns because Every normal investor who invested in Apple would have got 7% that year. But, you know, the smart Warren Buffett used his his leverage margin to mm. then make 10.5% on the same stock that we own. So he's actually he's actually making more than we are doing the same thing. Okay. So the Berkshire Hathaway strategy is be insanely confident about your stocks and then do insanely risky things with them. Basically, yeah. Pretty much. Okay, interesting. So, I think I get it. I kind of get how that works now. Mm. You do it through your brokerage. Um, if you take the margin out, is it like... So, like, say you're on the Fidelity website mm. and you flip the little toggle to do the margin thing. Mm. Is it like, oh, now you have 5000 in this margin account that you can choose to have, like, paid out to you in cash or, like, you can... Is you it like, can, is it like you can take that money in that account then? Yeah, like I mean, so it you toggle it, and it's not like you've withdrawn five thousand. Like you then choose how much margin you want to take, what your collateral will be, like if it be your Apple stock or your whatever stock, mm. and then you could just take that money and then go bring it to Vegas, or you could invest okay. it in other stock, or you could buy a home. This sounds kind of like racing for pink slips. What's I don't what's that? Oh, have you never like heard of that? No. Like in like illegal street racing, like the whole culture is like if you race for the pink slip, you like race for your car pretty much. Like whoever uh, loses the race has to give their car to the winner. So kind of, yeah. It's kind of what it's so, like if you yeah, if you like so you're kind of like I don't know, using your own assets to potentially grow them much much faster, but you're sort of betting the farm on it. So is there a way to like do it more safely because i would imagine that taking out a bunch of margin on one stock and then throwing it back into the same stock would be really risky so okay look we we definitely uh are, are not advocating even buying individual stocks like we were always yeah you know go to betterment because they'll like diversify for you it's easy or if you want a little bit more do a vanguard thing but it's true yeah i guess we should put we should put a caveat on this like this is definitely like a educational advanced episode but it, it's not <laughs> that you couldn't take margin out on you know a fund so if you had you know an etf or right. whatever you could also do it on that I, I think the thing is um and it's like this dual-edged sword where i feel like um we really try to only talk about things that we believe in because we don't want to confuse people but i also think it's important that people like know these things either to avoid it so they could do it whatever like you know, knowledge is power. It's not to be cliche. Right. Yeah, I think I think you can learn from anybody and consequently you can learn about anything even if you're not going to do anything with it, you know. I like learning about medieval weaponry, but I'm not going to go use it on people. <laughs> <laughs> unless yeah. unless the but zombie apocalypse. My house the crossbow instead of a longbow now. <laughs> like, yeah, it's true. You ever like just think? We probably I probably asked you this question. Like if you could just like think about what you do in the zombie apocalypse. I do. I would try and find. <laughs> I'd be I'd be like um, 
in Walking Dead where the one like guy pretends to be a scientist and uh, just finds a really strong guy to like protect him. <laughs> dude, I would feel sorry for you if a zombie apocalypse broke out. I would not want to be in New York. Oh, dude, there's so many people and oh, man, like all the supplies are gonna go super fast and like, I don't know. I would not. I like my small town. It's good zombie insurance. So, so to be clear, your parents moved to Iowa in preparation for the zombie apocalypse. Of course. They're very prescient. Smart folks. Smart yeah. folks. So um, let's talk about doing this, you know, hypothetically. Mm. But let's, let's, like, consider doing it with a mutual fund. So, you know, we have, you know, you have, like, an index fund. You are reasonably confident that it's going to go up, you know, 6 to 7% a year. Mm. And based on all data that you can look back on, you know, other than a few bad cases um, like uh, valleys, you have consistent growth year over year. So Mm. why wouldn't you have a bunch of margin reinvested into a safe mutual fund like that? Like, I guess like that's a, that's a question. Why not go with a low risk investment Mm. and then like margin it up to get higher risk returns? So great question. And, and, one, uh, the margin doesn't come free, even though they can take uh, your stock as collateral. Like if you have a margin call, and we'll talk on that, okay. there there is interest on the margin. So oh, okay. I, I was thinking uh, there was a time and I was like, you know, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to do this whole this is my matters thing full time, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, how am I going to survive until this is my matters makes money which i'm still waiting for unfortunately and Mm. um one of the thoughts i had was like oh i'm gonna go i'll just pull some money out on margin so i don't have to sell my apple stock i don't have to have like a taxable event you know because that'd be devastating but i can you know get some cash and so i was able to get like a pretty good deal because both me and my dad use fidelity and blah 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 but my interest rate was going to be about like six percent Oh, so you're not really, you're not really, you know, that makes sense to me because I was thinking about it as I said it Mm. and I was like, wait a minute, let's think about this in terms of economics. If it was so easy to do that, if it was so easy to like margin up your low risk investments into high percentage investments, then everyone would do it and it wouldn't, it would fall apart. Because a low-risk investment makes so little interest because it's low-risk. So you can't just finagle it into a high-risk thing, at least not on a macroeconomic scale. And it would make sense of why there would be interest so, there. So, so check like everyone this out. would do that, and everyone's investments would be making baller money for no risk, and it wouldn't make any sense. And, and then the investments would not make any money because everyone was doing it. So it would exactly. come down. So okay. the, the interesting thing to like give you a little bit more of like a peek into the like Warren Buffett side is what Warren Buffett does is like he could borrow money and you know it'll cost him less than us whatever but mm. he buys insurance companies for example okay. Geico right and if you think about an insurance company how it works it's i pay you this money slowly over time and then statistically i will have whatever accident and i'm going to pull that money back so it's Kind of like, like insurance is kind of like me loaning the money to Geico and then claiming it when I need it. Like in right. a very uh, simplified dis- like description. So I've kind of always seen insurance as like everybody in the village gives like a little bit of their grain to the storehouse. And then if like one person 
gets like really sick, they can get a bunch. Exactly, and right. and I, and that in order for it to be like a successful business, they have to consider that you know how many withdrawals and whatever, and basically it winds up being we're loaning our money to Geico for free. Of you know, I mean, just for the assumption that when we need it, we'll be able to get it. So right. Warren Buffett having you know owning a large portion of like Geico and, and other insurance companies is he then gets these loans. That he'll have to pay back at some point, but they're ridiculously cheap, borderline like free, you know. Mm. And so then he gets to take that money, like the cash flow from that, and he invests that in companies. And so that's how he pulls his leverage and why he's so successful because the cost of his loan is exceptionally low. Okay, so can you explain to me why the cost of his loan is exceptionally low? Is it because of, is it because of the nature of the insurance business or is it something else? Maybe I didn't catch it. So, so it, it's the nature of the insurance business. So, okay. if I was to take a bank loan out, it's going to be X percent, you know, over time, right? Right. However, with Geico, if I have car insurance, I pay them every month, and I don't get interest on the money I pay them. They keep it up and until I actually need it, right? Oh, so Warren Buffett isn't like getting a loan from the insurance company. It's more like he's extracting money out of the insurance companies he owns. It's it's like through the cash flow, like because statistically you won't have to pay back all that money based on like the claims. Basically, data. the way the insurance business works is they get a lump of money, and then they have to make that money make money so that they can pay it out to people when they need it and still get a profit, right? So basically, okay, so insurance. I never really thought about this, but insurance sounds a lot like banking. Yeah. The one difference being that instead of just being like expecting to go pull out your own money linearly how you put it in, you expect to be able to pull out however much you need in, in possibly more than you've paid in and it's, because statistically not everyone will need to do that. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like you said, there'll be one person who needs it, but it'll be my insurance payments and your insurance payments that will go to pay him. Right. right. But the, the whole thing is the way that it, it works is because uh, – like you may never need it, but the money that goes in eventually goes out to someone, right? So and on the front end, banking is like a storehouse where you, you know, the dude just basically agrees to store your stuff for you. Mm. And insurance is safety net through collective donation. But on the back end, mm. they're exactly the same. Yeah, but the, the thing is the insurance company is not paying you interest because you oh. gave it a thing and so vice versa yeah so it, it yeah and look i don't know like so much about the insurance business to go like on a whole long tear about it okay. I, I guess longer than we did but that that's like the gist of why like he is able to be so incredibly successful investing in like very basic things like coca-cola and you know insurance companies and whatever um where we would never be able to match that, even if we mirrored his investments. Gotcha. Because we don't have the advantage of basically interest-free loans. Or extremely cheap margin. Or Yeah, okay. Okay. But So here's the question. Mm, yeah. If Warren Buffett takes a bunch of money from his insurance companies, dumps it into Coke, and then like next week, Coke somehow goes under which i'm sure like it's you know all very low risk investments but still mm. like something crazy happens is that going to mean like a bunch of people won't be able to get insurance payouts for like hurricanes and stuff 
So, I mean, Berkshire Hathaway keeps a ton of cash on hand. Okay. And I'm, and I think the whole thing is like whether or not Warren Buffett owned Geico, the business would still operate kind of similarly in that they get all right. of these payments. And I mean, it's not a business unless they make a profit. So they have to take that, those payments and make money on those payments so that they could do the payouts and have a profit, you know, and okay. pay their employees. And yeah. So it's like him taking that business model and like amping it so that he can do even and because he's a really right. great investor he can make more on this money than they can so it so the insurance business really runs the same risk as the banking industry with like they're on the bank kind of thing well i don't know if, if you remember ai the bank aig oh, uh yeah aig um they they almost went bankrupt and the the government had to bail them out because what happened was all of these investments and various things were there were insurance policies on them and no right, one okay. thought that everything would fail and when every insurance policy needs to be called up AIG is like we don't have the money sorry like okay. we had our money in the in the market as well and blah 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 so the government actually had to step in and give mm-hmm. AIG money so they could pay it out. Because, I mean, look, if you're going to pay insurance and you can't rely on your insurance, like that blows the whole system up to like a crazy degree. Okay, gotcha. So in, in banking, if banks need cash, they can get a fe- uh, loan from the Fed, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm, I would assume insurance companies can't. Uh, so I'm, I'm not sure on that, but I'm going to say I'm going to say probably not. Because I know banks and insurance companies both got bailed out, and I would assume the bailouts are interest free. I guess I didn't follow that because I was well, high school. The government took uh, equity stakes in the company. So they owned portions of AIG and, and GM and stuff like oh. that. And then sold the stock after the the company turned around. So the government actually made gotcha. a profit on most of the stuff. Oh, seriously? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's kind of funny. I mean, look, the government doesn't want to be that in the business of, of doing that. In ex- yeah, I know. <laughs> that puts a lot of like the rhetoric in perspective. Mm. Like, we gave you a bailout and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean. So we ended up, the government at least ended up making money on that. It's interesting. For, for at least. I did not know that. Yeah. But okay. the, so the, the downside is like this whole thing where, you know, you have your, uh, say you have your like fifty or $10,000 in Apple, you take 5000 out, right? And um, right. if you dropped, so say, so now you have $15,000 in Apple and it dropped below the you know the five thousand dollars then all of a sudden you don't even have enough equity to pay back your margin yeah. so it's a it's a margin call and and margin calls happen sooner but as you go down basically because they only let you have eighty percent on margin you have to start paying your margin or they're taking your stock to to cover your loan so okay you would either need to throw money into the pot or they're going to take it out when gotcha. the stock goes down. So, tell me what a margin call is. Like, can a company that has that you have margin out with can they just like call it back at any time? Are there like stipulations when you take it out? So it, like it's based on like or something. It's based on ratios. So like the market could be doing whatever it's doing, and they're not going to have a margin call unless you're not unless you're not meeting capital requirements. So, for mm-hmm. example, if you can at max take eighty percent of your investment out on margin. And then 
you know, the price drops and all of a sudden you have 81% of the value out on margin, the margin call will be that 1%. And basically your brokerage will be like, you need to give us this 1% to keep everything as is, or we're just going to take it. Interesting. Okay. So I'm guessing that's where like the big danger lies. Yeah. Because while you're amping the upside, you're also amping the downside. Gotcha. Okay. So, and I'm guessing you don't, so you probably don't do this then, like margin in general? You know, I don't. In hindsight, I I think I wish I did, like for Apple and stuff, but it's Mm. hard to tell the future, and you really have to have, like, I I mean, you have to have, like, balls of steel to kind of sit through it, because, you know, it's one thing for you to lose your money. With margin, you could lose more than your money. Lose a lot. Right. So, if I guess you could never, you could never have a margin call that like takes more than the value of your entire investment, right? I'm sorry, say that again. Is the limit of a margin call the entire value of your investment? Well, or there not be a situation where it's like you now owe us money beyond what you had invested at so, first. Is that a thing? Yeah, that, that's that's possible. Um, I don't know how Ooh. like the margin calls like when it happens, but if things move very quickly, it is possible that you could be negative. And then you'd have to pay them back. Right. Like, so it's like non investments. It's like you had ten thousand dollars in Apple and when everything's said and done, you have like negative two thousand dollars in Apple. Like that is possible. And then they're like, You gotta pay us two thousand bucks. Ba- basically, yeah. Or now we do send Vinny. <laughs> yeah, <but> to <laughs> bust your kneecaps. <laughs> I think my kneecaps are worth more than a grand each. <laughs> Dude, okay, so that's yeah, that sounds pretty risky. Risky it, business. It is very risky. It is very and risky. I think it's easy to like look back and be like, oh, Apple did so well, you know, over this time period. I should have been at margin. Well I'm gonna do it now and then next week they tank. That's you know? the thing, is the past performance is no indication of future performance. Yeah, exactly. But I, I just thought it was like important because most of these people who are widely successful in investing, you know, the day traders or, you know, um Warren Buffett or whomever, like it's not that they just picked perfectly. They're leveraged. So their picks, their good picks, like make them far more than a normal investor would make. Yeah. Yeah, I guess one thing I would say with that is uh, if there's one thing I've learned over like years of working and gaining expertise in my particular areas, uh, you can't just like ape what somebody really successful has done. Like that might get you like a certain amount ahead, or give you a little bit of an advantage, but it'll never give you exactly what they have because they didn't just copy some strategy they read about in Inc. magazine or whatever. Like they had to discover it, and I'm sure there's a bunch more to what they do than what you see like in the markets or in the in the press and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean you couldn't possibly understand. Like they they they're like, you know, how many steps ahead in their minds that hasn't even like played out yet. But if you're mirroring them, you're that means you're how many steps behind. Yeah, and you don't know the next steps cuz you're not the expert. That's right. I'm sure I'm sure Warren Buffett has like plenty of contingency plans and all sorts of data and stuff. I'd, I'd love to People just find out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, sometimes I'm like, I wish I could be like Warren Buffett because he says like he just sits around and reads all day. I would love to do that. Oh, God, that would be awesome, dude. Be, that would be so awesome, but it's like, 
no, you have to do work. <laughs> <laughs> He's also like 80, so yeah. may- maybe when you're 80, you could sit and read all day. I'm pretty like, sure he wasn't. I head that if I like cut a bunch out of my life and just read a lot, I probably would come out ahead. But I don't know. Maybe that's just maybe that's just like heuristics from the whole knowledge is power mantra we hear. So uh, I think there's value in doing work too. There, there's like a quote about uh, reading, and oh shit! One sec. Uh, yeah. Ah. So there's a quote from Albert Einstein. Okay. And it says, reading after a certain age diverts the mind too much from its creative pursuits. Any man who reads too much and uses his brain too little falls into lazy habits of thinking. Interesting. That actually kind of makes sense a little bit. It's like, because you know what? Sometimes like you just got to get out there and do stuff and just think on your own. But it's so much easier just to read what other people are doing and what they say than to come up with your own thoughts true yeah reading will lead you down new paths you know to new knowledge but it's not the same as forging those new paths and creating things in your mind yeah exactly like the reading should be the tool so that you can then eventually forge your own path um but there has to be that eventually part that makes a lot of sense and I, I notice we have devolved into philosophical musings <laughs> i think we may have covered margin enough yes think I, so? I think so Okay, yeah, I, I had the Investopedia page up just in case there's anything else, but I think I think you kind of explained pretty well um, all the headlines here. It's like advantages, risks, margin call. I think we covered all that. Badass. Cool. So yeah, I guess in conclusion, advanced thing, good to know. Probably not something we'd recommend. Handle with care. Yeah, I, I would <laughs> I mean, get your 25k in betterment first. Have that yes. emergency fund filled, and then maybe possibly consider doing this. Mm. Mm. I'm not sure I'll do it. I reserve the right to change my mind, as always. But true, I know personally I have more than that in my uh, my own passive investing system, and I plan to just keep doing that for a while. Rule number <laughs> one of investing is don't lose money. Rule number two is don't forget about rule number one. <laughs> is that from something or did you make that up it's it's from warren buffett oh is it okay I, and i think it was maybe after he read fight club <laughs> <laughs> those are some good rules all right well uh should we tie a bow on it please yes Alrighty. well hey if you got questions about this topic or anything else uh, money related then you can email us at listenmoneymatters at gmail.com We'll get your questions answered on the show. And uh, if you want to get involved with the show, subscribe, write a review, do other things that we've got up on the page there. Go over to listenmoneymatters.com slash get involved. And if you want to write a review for us, that is awesome. It helps us go up the charts in iTunes. And I'm going to read one real quick uh, by East of Eden from the UK, actually. And he says, I've just got my first proper job and I've recently started listening to this podcast. It's given me great ideas about how to look for my after my money. Now that I'm earning, as well as keep me entertained whilst trawling through spreadsheets. Oh, man. In the past, <laughs> I've read several books on finance as well as studied economics, but this provides an easily understandable, practical, and entertaining look at many of the topics I've struggled with in the past. Good for the new economics undergrads looking to under- expand their knowledge, people looking for financial life hacks, and anyone with a passing interest in how the business and financial world works. Thank you so much, East of Eden, and we will definitely continue to put out more cool content with financial life hacks and all that kind of stuff. That's right. Uh, and if you want to find our favorite tools and resources for managing your money and making more money and books you can learn from, 
Uh, listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox is where you'll find all that good stuff. So once again, thanks for hanging out with us, and we look forward to seeing you in the next episode. See you, Andrew. Later, Thomas. Tell your friends about this show. Thank you.